Hello, and welcome to the teacher edition of Steve Barkley Ponders Out Loud. The complexity of teaching is both challenging and rewarding, and my curiosity is piqued whenever I explore with teachers the multiple pathways for facilitating student engagement in the exciting world of learning. This podcast looks to serve teachers as they motivate and support their learners. Thanks for listening. I'm delighted that you're here. Can AI be a teaching partner? I'm excited to be recording this podcast as it's our first look at AI on the podcast. And we're looking at it through the focus of teachers. Joining us is Jennifer Barron, a former middle school ELA teacher and a graduate of Arizona State University's Instructional Technology Program. Currently, Jen is an online learning design specialist at the Chester County Intermediate Unit in Pennsylvania. The intermediate units in Pennsylvania are regional education service agencies. Jen has a special interest in her role there on AI and its impact in education. Also on the podcast is the Director of Learning Design and Educational Technology at the Intermediate Unit, Kylie Hand. Kylie has been a classroom teacher and a school administrator, and she has developed an expertise in online and blended learning, technology integration, as well as STEM and maker education. Welcome, Kylie and Jen. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Uh, great to great to have you with us. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited with this being our uh, our first podcast around uh, AI. I, I'm wondering, for starters, I'll put you right on the spot. Uh, both with classroom experiences, if you were in the classroom today uh, as as a teacher, what differences do you imagine AI would be making in in your classrooms? I'll start with that one. So uh, since I do work with a lot of teachers already kind of surrounding this and seeing the impact that it's making, I think the biggest difference that I would gravitate towards would be the fact that it could really help teachers cut down on their planning time. You know, things that would take maybe an entire prep period to do, like just making a presentation for a lesson, AI has the capabilities to assist with that and take that from a 50-minute task to maybe 20 minutes or less. So you have more time to focus on the work that is actually going to be done in the lesson with the students rather than you know all of this preparation type work but it also brings about personalized learning opportunities for students and what i mean by that i'm not saying like putting ai in students hands immediately but teachers have tools available to them where they could differentiate content for students so if there's students in their classroom on three different reading levels instead of going and searching for resources and taking maybe an hour to do that there are AI tools out there that you can put a reading passage into and it differentiates, it puts it at different levels for you and it takes 30 seconds. And that just is something that simplifies a teacher's day and kind of takes those type of tasks off their their cognitive load and gives them more of an opportunity to connect with students and work with them directly. So that's how I see it. Uh, I would hope it would be making a difference if I were using it right now. If I could add to what Jen said, there have been so many times when I've learned about a new tool over the last uh, few weeks, months, year, last year or so, 
where I thought, oh goodness, if I had had this, I would have so much more of my life back as a teacher. <laughs> um, because how much time did I spend constructing a rubric from scratch um, or making uh guidelines for my students or trying to come up uh, with interdisciplinary lesson ideas where now I can put in a bunch of standards into an AI tool and it can quickly give me a variety of ideas that, um, and then I can really use, really leverage some of those ideas. Now, some of them mean, I mean, decide not to, but there are some that would be really helpful. Um, it can also help me to provide feedback for my students and it can also help them to get feedback before coming to me or turning something in, they're getting a cursory glance of feedback from AI itself. So as Jen said, I think if I had had it as a teacher, um, <laughs> I don't I maybe would have had some extra hobbies uh, at this point in my life. <laughs> what uh, can, can you give me an example of, of, about the, the feedback piece? How, how is AI uh, impacting the feedback for students? So just one tool, which I'll, I'll talk about in a little bit as an example. It's called Magic School AI. It's my new favorite thing. I'll talk to anyone and everybody about all of the great things it can do. But one of the first features it came out with was a student work feedback tool. And for me as a former English teacher, I'm used to, you know, reading 120 student essays. And by the time you get to the bottom of all those essays, it's very hard to write 120 different pieces of feedback for for students. So what these tools are helping to do is you can take student work, remove any of the, you know, names, personally identifiable information, but you can put it into these different versions of chatbots basically within Magic School and you can say this is a 7th grade, you know, essay prompt, here's the prompt and here's how this responded. And it will you know, spit out for you, here are areas of strength within the writing, here are areas of growth, and you can even ask it further questions of like, oh, what about these students' writing style? And it would give you more feedback that. And I say this all, be like, yeah, great that it does that, but then it's, you know, the teacher's responsibility to take that and speak it, edit it for, you know, put their voice into it, but it's a very good starting point where they can just start with that preliminary feedback when you're just stuck and don't know how to say something or say it in the right way that's going to come across well to the students. So that's how I've seen like feedback AI tools really being being used. You, you stuck a smile on my face because Magic School is one of the ones that I've been playing with. Oh, yes, and uh, my, my first time in, what I loved was they kept making the statement back to, uh, to me as teacher mm -hmm. that, that they do 80% of it. Yeah. So, and when I heard you describe that, when it gives it back to you, the teacher still has uh, his or her part to uh, add yeah. on. For sure, but yeah, it's it's any every teacher I've spoken to about it has really just described it as that. It's a great place for them to start when they're just either stuck or needing to save some time. It gives them somewhere to base what they're doing off of, and yeah, any time saver for a teacher is really appreciated. Yeah. To that point. We can also, as educators, ask AI to give us feedback. If we have a student who is having 
specific issues with behavior or with a particular content area or a particular skill, we can take our lesson plan and then say, please analyze this from this perspective. And it can give us ideas for enhancement to make our lessons better. So uh, one of the concepts I really like about Microsoft's uh, co-pilot um, is really that idea of not necessarily um, dominion over AI, but really like a co-collaborator. Um, that th this is someone or a, a something that is truly your assistant that is to be utilized and leveraged. It's, it's um, something that can really provide a lot of, of help just as a colleague would. Um, and it, it's while it's not a replacement of having a co-teacher colleague, um, it, it is a pretty good substitute. So I'm guessing that there's teachers who are uh, standing on the sidelines having not uh, tested, uh, put, put their toes in the water yet with AI. And I'm wondering what kind of questions are you, are you hearing or concerns are you hearing from that group and, and how are you responding to it? Probably the first question that I get or hear come about for anyone, not even specific just to, to teachers at this point, but just what AI is and what it can do. And the answer to that is pretty expansive. But um, since I we've found over the last year or so, since that that's kind of the starting point with a lot of people, they want to know what it is and what it can do. We've worked with, you know, defining for them how exactly things like chat GPT work. So they know the the you know background information behind it. So they understand where that information is coming from. And it's not actually as you know, terrifying or futuristic as it seems because they're trained off of databases and it's just a really fast Google at this point and it synthesizes information and kind of a reassurance of it's not going to replace what completely what humans can do. It's here to help support and supplement what we're able to do and make it better. So with those two questions, it usually I feel like comes out of a point of or a place of I'm scared of this and there's not really at this point anyway, um, a reason to be with where we are with AI. We can be using it to really support our own lives, our careers, um, you know, in responsible ways. And then the the third, probably most popular question, especially with teachers is, oh, well, students are just gonna cheat. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. I can kind of talk about that a little, a little bit more later, but that kind of goes into a bigger, you know, educational philosophy question of really just rethinking how we assess students and teach students you know the older methods might not work anymore it's not a matter of them comprehending or just you know regurgitating information that they're told we really need to tap into the the critical thinking abilities that students have and the collaborative abilities and just those things that can't just simply be looked up and answered and kind of encouraging more curiosity with students in that way. Yeah, many many years back, I was using the term, you gotta figure out how to Google proof your test. Yes, and now yeah, it's yeah. AI proof, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, a kid, if a kid could Google the answer, it probably wasn't a good question to have on, yeah. your, on, your, on your test. Mm -hmm. to, to that point, uh, one of the things that I'm hearing from some teachers who don't know much about it is, 
isn't it just a search engine? Isn't it just like Google on steroids? You know, why do I need to, why do I need to embrace AI or what's so different about it? Um, and I, I think one of the concepts that they miss when use when first using any kind of AI chatbot, which is a form of generative AI or um, GAI, it was how it's typically uh, called, is that it's dialogical. So one of the uh, misconceptions is that it is just, I put in a singular question, I get a response, kind of a rolling of the dice, but it's really not at all. Um, it is it is as if you are speaking to and not a colleague. And, and in fact, you oftentimes need to and should in, in prompt engineering strategies, give it a specific role. So if you want it to be a colleague who is coming at it from a special education lens or a speech therapist lens, you can give it that specific role and it will interact and dialogue back and forth um, just as if it is talk you're talking to um, another human being. One of the questions that we get oftentimes from elementary teachers is, isn't AI just for secondary students? And at this point in time, there are a lot of AI chatbots that do require a text input, so a written input, uh, but there are more and more voice AI tools that are emerging. Um, and uh, there, there's so many AI tools that are uh, allowing students to create with so many various mediums and AI is becoming embedded into so many of our tools that all students K, pre-K through 12 and beyond are using. So it really is something that it's not that it can be segmented for just specific grade levels of students. Those are some of the questions that we hear. So let, let's go to the other end. How about the teachers who have kind of full-blown uh, jumped in? W what are they pondering and wondering, and uh, how do you see yourselves working with them? I just I just um, was at a conference, a statewide conference in Pennsylvania, and um, I mean, we we're joking because at some points there are these really big existential questions actually about like what it means to be a human. Um, and, and Jen and I sometimes say that uh, as we're toying with AI and um, we're learning about it and, and what it's doing in industry, and it does bring to light a lot of big existential questions about personhood and ethics and things like that. And we don't, we don't have the answers for that, not that there are any one singular answer, but um, we do get those questions from folks who have dabbled in it. You know, are the robots going to take over the world kind of thing? Um, <laughs> so we, we get those questions. We uh, have had a lot of teachers ask about uh, how do I keep up? Um, so there's been a lot of uh, support, funding, uh, momentum, uh, hype, marketing around AI. And so there's a lot of additional features that are being added on a day, almost hourly, daily basis uh, in AI tools. Uh, Magic School AI that Jen had mentioned earlier has come out with a number of updates just within the last week. The interface looks different. Uh, Khan Academy with their tool Conmigo. I mean, there's so many updates that are happening so fast, it's very hard to keep up. So that's a question that we get and we uh, can share in your show notes or uh, we can recommend to you some folks to follow. Um, you can always reach out to us as well um, and follow us on our social media because we're uh, trying to stay ahead and really keep up. But that's one of the questions that we get is, is how do I keep up? We, we will do, we'll do all of those that you just, uh, you Thanks. just mentioned. Thanks, um, Steve. Let's, um, 
how about giving us a couple of uh, specific uh, uh, sites or tools j- just for a starter in the podcast here that you'd you'd put on the top of the list for teachers to uh, to check out? Sure. So one of the questions that teachers who have d- dove into this are asking is around safe and responsible usage. So now that I've seen what it can do, how can I prevent my students from misusing it? Or how can I really teach them to use it in a safe and responsible way, modeling uh, guidelines for them and whatnot? And so we would recommend the Teach AI organization that has formed. Um, It is almost a conglomerate of a bunch of leading organizations across the nation and the the world really, um, ISTE, the International Society for Technology Education is in there. And so they have put out some guidelines for school use for teachers to take and kind of adopt those. They've created some really nice editable slide decks that teachers and school communities can use. So we would highly recommend um, Teach AI. In addition to that, Common Sense Media has come out within the last, and at the t- this time of recording, within the last about six weeks or so, they have put out uh, guidelines on specific tools for AI. And I think they're going to continue adding to that catalog. But they, Common Sense Media, over the last decade or more, has really been a trusted source to guide caregivers, families, parents, schools around safe and responsible digital literacy use. Um, and how to explicitly teach that. And they do a really thorough job of vetting some of the tools and sharing some of the pros, the cons, the challenges, and the benefits. Going back to the the previous question of questions we get, a lot of it does go back to often things like being compliant when it comes to COPA and and all of those privacy things. And that's, you know, a heel, especially for the students who are 13 and under. And what does this mean for them? So when I'm looking for tools and recommending things, I like to do a little bit of, you know, my own background research first of what the the parameters of these different tools are. So again, Magic School is like top of my list because it checks all of those boxes. The first thing I think it tells you when you go onto the Magic School screen is something like this was made for schools, compliant with FERPA, COPA doesn't save any information that's put in there, like student information. So it's very well trained and very good about that. Some other things about Magic School for any teachers listening. Last I checked, it has 65 capabilities of what it can do, ranging from all, you know, all grade levels, all subject areas. I have it pulled up right now. And just to name a few that might be of interest, we have report card comment generator, a rubric generator, text leveler, math story word problems. And it just, it's so expansive and they continue to expand. I think when I first made an account about a year ago, there were maybe 10 things that it can do. And now there's updates. Yeah, I, I was like, laughing to myself. It was 50 the last time I looked and you're at 65 today. So that's yeah, a, and I just counted just now. So that can probably <laughs> change very quickly. Even as I was talking to I was talking about this at a conference and showing some English teachers, you know, the tool itself. And as I'm scrolling, I'm like, this wasn't here when I planned the <laughs> session. And you know, it's all all this brand new stuff. But it's really it's a great tool to even just, you know, dip your toes in, check it out. It does a whole ton, not to say you have to use all of those features, yeah. but find a couple that that work for you. And 
they are, I believe, switching to like a paid plan, but everything that's on the free, you're still going to have access to everything that it does right now. So I would say jump in there and, and see see what you can use. So that's definitely my my top one. Another one that uh, falls under the you know compliant with everything, student privacy, safety, all of that is a website called or a tool called Curipod, C-U-R-I-P-O-D. What I love about Curipod, I think this was the first AI tool I discovered, and it's kind of stood the test of the past year in terms of, you know, not they're updating. It's not, you know, go, falling to the wayside. And what Curipod is, since our audience I'm, I'm, is mostly, you know, educators and teachers, if they're familiar with Nearpod, it does everything that Nearpod can do. So it's an interactive presentation platform for lessons. Students can join from their computers answer questions that come up on the screen. But what's great about Curapod is you can go in there and say you want a lesson for fourth grade students on the solar system. You could put in the state standards that you need to cover and it will build you out 10 slides that are a mix of different types of questions, different interactives. There's a feature that gives students personalized feedback based on how they answer questions. And it's just really a very powerful tool that you can do a lot with. And similar to things they may use like Nearpod or Pear Deck, you can make it yourself from scratch or you can use AI assistance completely or a combination of the two, which is what I'm always the, the proponent of. So those are my my two that I've found can be used any grade level, any subject, and you'll you'll find something in there that works for you. If I could add to that, if you're an advanced, to those listeners who might be an advanced AI user, if they haven't uh, learned, uh, it's pretty soon, uh, they will, if they haven't already had a pro account for ChatGPT, they will be able to get a pro account or a plus account, uh, which is a paid version, and then they'll be able to make their own GPT. So if I was a front runner user of AI, which I would imagine I would be if I was still in the classroom, given my background and uh, propensity to like innovation and embrace educational technology. Uh, I would be thinking, how can I, if I, especially if I'm a secondary teacher, how could I be taking my curriculum, inputting it and making my own GPT so that students could be interacting within a walled garden with just the curriculum that I've given them? And how can I create almost a chat bot that would almost be a version of me in a way. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so uh, I, you know, I, I used to co-teach with myself by making these very static video. Well, I mean, they were static videos where I would be teaching a lesson in a flipped classroom model, but that was static. The student couldn't really interact with me on the spot. But in this case, I can really download my brain and my curriculum, put it into a GPT, and then they can be asking it questions like they are dialoguing right with me themselves. So uh, if you, to do that at this juncture, at this point in time, when we're recording this episode, you do need a, pre, a paid account for ChatGPT. But I can imagine that there may be other means through which you can do that in the future uh, a little bit easier. Wonderful. Well, um, I, I'm, all, I'm all excited again. <laughs> um, it, it's, uh, it, it's just been a delight to, to get us started here. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that we can be back in very short order uh, coming at this from other directions. I, I'm wondering be, before we sign off, is there just uh, one or two rules of thumb that you uh, that you might want to lay out there uh, uh, for, for teachers at, at this point? 
Sure. My biggest thing with AI, and it's not really any different from the internet or even doing you know research from going to the library and checking out books where you take everything that you either find or that AI you know gives to you its output whatever that is that's your starting point it should not be your end point where you just take it and similar to what we say to students you know no plagiarizing same idea it's great to help brainstorm get those ideas out there but then using it to tweak how you want it if you want it to you know be more like your voice or you know only people can really put into it what they actually need and want it to say ai is never going to get it totally perfect so it's a matter of knowing that and being ready to kind of work with ai instead of like ai working for them if that makes sense and then my other one which is more for well, everyone but younger students, I know there's been more of an emphasis on this idea because kids are using it, you know, even if the school is blocking it, advising them not to, they have phones, they're going to go home and use it. Um, so my my message for all of them would be not to share any types of personally identifiable information. And that's very important for students to realize because especially with AI, as soon as you put information in there, it goes into just a huge database and we don't really know what happens to it after that. So just being safe and cognizant to use this, you know, responsibly, that's, those are my two big pieces of, of information. My biggest takeaways about it, I would say. I'm going to try and I add to one of your takeaways, Jen, so that I can kind of have two and a half, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so hard to, to come up with two, uh, just two. But uh, to that point uh, that Jen is saying with personally identifiable information, we highly encourage if you are a teacher listening to this, that before you sign up for, before you sign up for a tool, that you are reading the terms and conditions. And we know sometimes people just click past those, um, but you're reading those and then we, if you're listening to this in the United States, we recommend that you follow any kind of processes, procedures, policies that you have within your school district for uh, having students utilize any tool. So if you are sitting at home on a weekend, um, finding a, a tool and you want your students to use it on Monday, we really encourage you before having your students sign up that you have gone through maybe a district office procedure process that you have um, and that they have read and embedded the tool and allowed there to be parent consent of that tool, however that process works within your school district. Um, so just something to keep in mind. The other thing, uh, so that that that's adding on to Jen's last comment. <laughs> um, so, all right, so, Go so I got, yeah, okay, good. Thanks. So, um, so the first one would be that you are, whoever is the user of AI, that you are responsible for the final work product. So no matter if AI is creating something that if you say, you know, I want you to generate a lesson plan, or I want you to generate something for me, it, just as Jen said, you need to be responsible for that. You need to check it over. AI hallucinates. I'm putting that in air quotes. I know our listeners may not be able to see that, but that is the term that is now being used when AI is giving misinformation and it will, um, not all the time, but it, it will. So, um, Again, you are responsible for the final work product that you create. That's number one. And then number two is that we as educators, we really need to start thinking about how we go about normalizing AI use. So there's been early on, there's been some uh, encounters for me where 
we as adults and as students were ashamed to use AI. Like, oh, I made this, I did this pair, I wrote this paragraph, but I used AI um, and almost kind of like making us feel guilty for using AI. But we really need to try to normalize the use of AI whenever possible or whenever it makes sense um, so that we are teaching students how to use AI in very sophisticated ways. All of the reports that are coming out about the future of work, uh, there's a recent report that came out uh, recently within the last month or so from LinkedIn, and they are talking about how the number of, of jobs that are going to require at least some proficiency and sophisticated use of AI is only going to continue to increase. And so we, knowing that we wanna get our students future ready, we need to really try to think about how we can incorporate and embrace AI and teach them to do that. Um, and really prepare them for their future. And I, we can, I can share the link with you for that report as well that you, you can put in the show notes. We get, we're giving all the teachers Great. a lot of homework, um, but <laughs> at least at least they can go and dive a little bit deeper well, if they want to. Well, well, let's do this. Drop me a uh, drop me an email with the uh, the links that you uh, recommended, and we yep. will put them in the, in the notes. And um, be, before we sign off, how can uh, how can listeners uh, taste with the two of you with uh, questions that they might have? So uh, a couple of uh, ways. Um, so both Jen and myself are on social media. Uh, I use LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, and we can, again, link all of that information in the show notes. Um, and then our organization, the Chester County Intermediate Unit, or the CCIU.org, um, or CCIU for short, you can get to our website, CCIU.org. We provide a lot of information about the supports that we can offer schools in a customized fashion. Um, so uh, we provide a lot of offerings that folks can come to in person uh, if you're local or want to commute, um, if you're virtual, um, but also we can work with schools really anywhere virtually um, or, you know, we can travel ourselves as well, but we can offer very customized supports um, to help teachers, to help instructional coaches, principals, central office, or professional school boards, really anyone. We're happy um, to help in any way that we can. Terrific. Terrific. Well, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank, thank you, you Steve. Awesome. Thanks for having us. We, we love this stuff. So we're really excited yeah. and, and we appreciate the opportunity to get to share our passion with others. Thanks for listening in folks. I'd love to hear what you're pondering. You can find me on Twitter at Steve Barkley or send me your questions and find my videos and blogs at barkleypd.com.